Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. About 16 years ago, I read a magazine article touting research that by walking 10,000 steps a day, a person would lose five pounds a year. It sounded great, so I bought my first pedometer. I kept it clipped to my belt. My students mistook it for a pager, which tells you how old school it was, and made sure I took at least 10,000 steps a day. Nothing happened. I felt better, but the needle on the scales refused to budge. I also noticed that I hadn't really increased my activity. Evidently, I already took about 10,000 steps a day. This valuable lesson taught me the importance of experimenting and finding out what worked best for me. Most likely, the research study involved previously sedentary people. How many steps a day matters? We want to avoid a sedentary lifestyle. But the quality of steps matters too. For example, I felt my 10,000 steps a day involved very little cardio exercise, but purchasing a heart rate chest strap would provide the only definitive answer. You guessed it, I purchased a chest strap heart rate monitor and a watch that read the results and chimed when I fell below the cardio level. This worked better. I started running again. But you don't need high-tech gadgets to figure out your target heart rate. You can figure out your target heart rate for cardio exercise the old school way with a calculator, a stopwatch, and your fingers. So, here's how to figure out your target heart rate. I'll leave the formula in the show notes. You'll need to learn how to take your pulse the old school way and then grab a calculator and a piece of paper to figure out your own personal target heart rate zone. Whatever you do, don't rely on those charts found on fitness machines. According to them, I am either dead or in cardiac arrest. Here's the formula for calculating your heart rate. Your heart rate reserve, HHR, and I'll give you my results. Start with 220 and subtract your age. So 220 minus 54 equals 166. Subtract your resting heart rate to discover your HHR, or your heart rate reserve. My resting heart rate is 48. So 166 minus 48 equals 118. Next, multiply your HHR, so that would be 119, by 70% and add your resting heart rate to the answer. So 118 times 0.7 plus 48 equals 130. This number represents the low end of your vigorous cardio efforts. Multiply your HHR by 85% and add your resting heart rate to the answer. So that would be 118 times 0.85 plus 48 equals 148. This number represents the high end of your vigorous cardio efforts. While this method works, you will still need to tinker with the numbers based on how you feel. For example, my heart often reaches 170 to 177 when I sprint during my morning runs. When I run for distance, my average heart rate hovers around 160. My Apple Watch keeps track of this stuff for me. A slow jog will elevate my heart to 131, maybe. A slow jog doesn't make me feel out of breath, nor does a long, steady run. Vigorous exercise should make a gal feel winded occasionally. Thus, I have learned to incorporate sprints into my workouts, even if I don't enjoy sprinting. 
Therefore, to answer the question of how many steps a day does a person need, think quality, not quantity. Of course, my competitive nature compels me to try for 10,000 steps a day, regardless of their quality. So how do I know if I've taken 10,000 steps? Since I first started tracking my steps every day, I've gone through a dozen or so methods of keeping track of my exercise. After I lost my first three belt clip pedometers, I broke down and purchased a more expensive one that had a lanyard I could attach to my belt loop as a backup to the clip. This served me for years. The heart rate chest strap and watch did a great job of making sure I worked out vigorously enough, but I didn't wear it all day long. They get sweaty, smelly, and uncomfortable. Ew. So I kept my pedometer on. Then Fitbit came out with a fitness tracker that included a heart rate monitor. I drove 90 miles to the nearest REI store and purchased one the day they came out. Finally, I had everything I wanted in fitness tracking in a fitness tracking system all in one handy watch. I downloaded the Fitbit app for my iPhone, found friends who had Fitbits, and enjoyed the weekday and weekend challenges. The Fitbit app also allows users to cheer for each other, so I routinely cheered for my Fitbit friends. I also enjoyed the badges I earned by climbing flights of stairs, meeting distance per day goals, and friendly competitions. Hey, who wouldn't enjoy winning a blue suede shoes badge for taking 60,000 steps in one day? Or a pole-to-pole badge for traveling 12,430 miles in the six years I had a Fitbit? My first Fitbit died after about two years, and I replaced it with a Fitbit Blaze. I enjoyed the larger color screen. My ancient eyes couldn't read the numbers on the old Fitbit very easily. I continued to enjoy the Fitbit community and the other Fitbit app features. Water consumption, sleep tracking, female health, and exercise tracking. Two summers ago, my Fitbit Blaze started fritzing out on me. The screen flashed constantly, and I thought I'd go batty. So I invested in an Apple Watch, giving myself the excuse that it was waterproof, and my Blaze wasn't. I figured that anything produced by Apple would function in a superior manner. The jury is still out on that one. Yes, the Apple Watch can withstand swimming in cold mountain streams and getting dunked in the dishwater, but I feel that its heart rate monitor system lacks accuracy. It will go for long stretches of time, up to 27 minutes during my waking hours, between taking my pulse measurements. The Fitbit, on the other hand, has a constant heart rate readout. According to my Apple Watch, I have started burning about 5,000 calories less per day. If anything, my exercise has increased slightly since I got the Apple Watch. The functionality doesn't work as seamlessly either. For example, I could find all of my information and stats on the Fitbit app, as well as control my fitness tracker and the area scale. With the Apple Watch, I have to use four apps to do the same thing. Apple Watch, Activity App, Health App, and an app that sends my scale data to the Health App. The Health App on the iPhone acts as a command center for a host of other apps, both paid and free that you can enter information into, and that info will get filed on the Health app. The Apple Watch does integrate well with my favorite running apps. I've used and enjoyed Nike Run Club, C2 5K, Couch to 5K, and the running app. Many people don't realize their smartphone keeps track of their steps, but only if you have it with you, of course. The Health app on iPhones and the Google Fit app on Android phones will keep track of how many steps you take each day, too. Don't feel you have to own a smartphone or fitness tracker in order to take control of your health, though. You can use four old-school tools to help you track your progress. A pencil, paper, tape measure, and a bathroom scale. First, measure your waist circumference. Your waist circumference. According to WebMD, a woman's waist should measure less than 35 inches. 
a man's waist should measure less than 40 inches. So, if your old school measurement falls outside those guidelines, you'll want to consider taking control of your health in a proactive way. Scales also give us valuable feedback about our overall health. When I know I've made unhealthy choices for a long time, I avoid the scales. I already know they're going to deliver bad news. When I started a keto journey several years ago, I used a tape measure to measure seven areas on my body, pencil and paper to track measurements, and a body fat measuring scale. I've tracked my progress and know that I've lost 17.5 inches overall and have lost 20 pounds. More importantly, I've gone from having 33% body fat with a BMI of 24.6 to having 22% body fat with a BMI of 21.6. Even though those first measurements and step onto the scales pained me without a baseline, I knew I couldn't chart progress. And keeping track of progress helps a person persist in attaining goals. So what is the best fitness tracker for weight loss? I didn't start off by saying I wanted to lose 20 pounds. Instead, I set small, attainable goals. Lose 5 pounds sounds doable for me, whereas lose 20 pounds before my high school reunion sounds like a headline from the National Enquirer. Feel comfortable in my pants sounds better to me than lose an inch off my waist. Take 500 more steps tomorrow than I did today sounds better than get in 10,000 steps a day. You get the idea. Remember, weight loss and better health starts in our heads. Sure, fitness trackers can help, but only if you use them. The best fitness tracker is one you'll use to improve your health. Some of my friends purchased a pedometer around the same time I bought my first one, but they never wore it. Coworkers have purchased Fitbits that remain on their chargers. Having a fitness tracker won't make you lose weight. Well, your wallet will feel lighter. A fitness tracker can help you if geeking out on numbers and having competitions with yourself or friends gives you motivation. Some people need a community that will keep them accountable in tangible ways. Coaching, phone calls, texts, and other forms of encouragement. Others do just fine with a fitness tracker and some friendly competition. Still others require a combination of accountability. Don't laugh, but I stayed up past my bedtime last night, marching in place. I did it so I could see three sparkly rings close on my Apple Watch, indicating that I met my fitness goals for the day. Did I mention I'm competitive? Before you invest hundreds of dollars in a fitness tracker and worry about how many steps a day you'll need to lose weight, consider your achievement style. Maybe you need a community. Maybe you need a fitness tracker. Perhaps your phone and an accountability partner will serve you just as well. The bottom line, get to know yourself and what works best for you. One size doesn't really fit all. You need to experiment with what motivates you, what encourages you, and what works for you. Your goal, after all, isn't just quick weight loss. It's a healthier lifestyle. Taking care of ourselves physically involves a lifetime of sustainable, healthy habits. And if we get off course occasionally, the world won't end. We simply reset our compass and get back on course. Don't forget that you're going to need some basic accountability tools. You could buy a chest strap and a watch or phone that gives you a readout on your wrist or on your hand of your current heart rate. And remember that you need to exercise vigorously with your heart rate up in your exercise zone for about 30 minutes, three times a week. You could buy a Fitbit or you could buy an Apple Watch. They basically do the same things. You could also purchase something from a subscription site. 
Fitstar is an easy one that works with Fitbit. It's about $40 a year and there's Nike training and that's a free program or you could buy a subscription to something like Beachbody. I really love the workouts led by Sean T. There's T25, there's Transform 20, Insanity. Rather than buying individual DVDs, you can buy a subscription for $99 a year and you can use any of the Beachbody programs on demand on either your phone or a computer. I've discovered I really love working out in the comfort of my own home, but somebody guiding me through the workouts. So that's why I really enjoy Beachbody. There's also Noom, which is a great program that I've been using since November. Here are the hacks for better physical self-care. First of all, you need to figure out your target heart rate, and then you need to figure out what kind of accountability program you're going to use. Will you use a scale? And a tape measure, will you use a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or a simple pedometer or your phone? Whatever you do, use something to help you track your progress. It makes it much easier to stay on track. And don't forget about subscription sites. They're low cost. They cost less than a gym membership. And you can achieve the same results without leaving your house. Of course, if you like leaving your house and going to the gym, do that by all means. I'm just saying... I would prefer to stay at home and not waste time driving to a gym. Come back next week when we talk about ways to sneak healthier habits into your life and 30 unusual ways to burn calories. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.